Good to have you back here on one of these nights, a Thursday here in El Paso, Texas. That's right. Last day of the month of June. How will I remember June? Trip to New York. COVID. Boy, my son's birthday. I'll rank it. Um, Son's birthday one. New York trip two. And everything that went involved, because, I mean, we had, you know, Yankees, Mets, Billy Joel, um, subway rides. It was awesome. Um, And then COVID right after that. Yeah. Probably at the bottom. But it's okay. It's okay. So, you know, that's just the way things work out. A little Chihuahuas game here and there. That could be like three or four. Yeah. yeah, Chihuahuas is great. Joel got his batting glove autographed Uh, yesterday. Great uh, report here from Joel. I'm so happy to hear this. And here's the coolest thing, okay? I got to do a follow-up on this. Because yesterday I told the story about how my son was asking for bats. (laughs) Just asking for bats. And he didn't get a bat, but he got batting gloves of one of the uh, Oklahoma City Dodger players, Miguel Vargas. So they got so him and his uh, cousins went to the game yesterday, and they were on. They got their, um, you know, they got there um, early, but then apparently Joel was bringing in some backpack he wasn't allowed to bring in, and a little bit of a delay. So by the time they got into the ballpark, they had a few minutes. They hustled, got autographs. They got Miguel Vargas's autograph. But here's the coolest thing, okay? He signs everything, Vargas. That's it. No, Miguel. Miguel does not exist in his autograph. There is no M. There is no Miguel. There is no first name whatsoever. And I double-checked this because I looked at his cards on eBay, and all of his autographed cards are all signed Vargas. That's it. Vargas. Way cool. So, Joel brought home a batting glove. One he didn't even autograph. He just just gave him one glove. Signed it, Vargas21. And I'm like, attaboy. Good for you, and then they uh, and then he got his baseball cap signed by a bunch of players yesterday. So he was all excited. They came home just just you know having a, having a great time. Man, that's so awesome! I'm glad to hear that this was a positive report after Joel's yes. journey out, out to Southwest University Park for the second time this week, and he had some success there. Steve, this is awesome. Uh, you know, we talked about this yesterday. If you're a kid out there going out for autographs, that's one of the best feelings out there to just be able to interact with these players and stuff like that. Uh, and if I ever make it to the minor leagues uh, out there, I'm just going to sign my name Broadus. That's it, just Broadus. Yeah, I'm going to take a page out of uh, Miguel Vargas's book. There you go. That's right. It, it, it'd be like Jason signing his name Craig, and not even signing the, the Jason, just leaving the Jason and the J right off altogether. I, listen, I, I'm sure there's other players than athletes that have done this, but the truth is Miguel Vargas is the first known baseball player that I can ever recall who just signs his name with his last name. That's it. It's, it's, to me, it's, it's, it's really it's fascinating. And when I was looking online yesterday and I saw all of his autographed cards and there was the exact same thing, I'm like, man, this is amazing. This guy doesn't even acknowledge his first name. That is great. It's just Vargas. So I love that. I thought that was, I thought that was really cool yesterday. So, yeah, he came, and he also autographed his cap. So he's got a Vargas cap and he's got a Vargas batting glove. He's all set. He's got the collection. 
See, that's why that's maybe why he does this because of Vargas just alone. That will stand out, unlike any kind of like you know hat or where you have a bunch of different autographs. That specific autograph right there will stand out. Like, hey, where, where's his first name? What, what was his first name again? I know, I know, I'm with you. So anyway, it's uh, it's pretty wild, pretty wild stuff that gets us rolling into the show today. Good to have you back here on Sports Talk. He's Adrian Broaddus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Um, we get things rolling. Our telephone number is 505-6009. That's 505-6009. We got so much to cover on the show. This is Adrian's last show till Wednesday. Zit. This is it. You got uh, today. You're taking tomorrow off. You're taking uh, your Tuesday off. And then you're all taking sometime next month as well. No. Well, so yeah, just uh, one day that later uh, next month. Good. Uh, the 29th and then uh, August 1st. Oh, so, look yeah. at you. Where are you yeah. going then? Uh, it's my bachelor's party. Doing it before the uh, oh, doing it before goodness. the season. So, yeah, before things get crazy. Got to get the bachelor trip done. Where are you books. going? Going to Denver. Going to Denver with the friends. For bachelor party weekend. Yeah. This going a lot of fun. I'm surprised you didn't go Vegas. I'm I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised we didn't do Vegas. Uh, I you know okay. So we the reason we did Denver. We have friends out there in Denver, so they, they can already handle the place that we're going to be staying at and all that kind of stuff. And they can make a lot of good suggestions for us, which is good. Uh, Rockies game Friday. They've planned out different things for Saturday, Sunday. Meow Wolf out in Denver. Uh, going out to yeah, just going out to different places. It should be fun. Will you hit a gentleman's club on the trip? No. Are you saying that because your fiance might be listening, or you're serious? I know she's you not listening. So I'm you're serious. saying you, you will not hit a gentleman's club I, on I the bachelor promise. party? No, I promise. No, not into that stuff. Not into that. Don't care. Don't care. Are your friends going to try and uh, do something crazy, or you don't think so? Ah, uh, maybe, but uh, I'll. I can stand my ground. I'll what happens it. in Denver stays in Denver. Sure. Okay. <laughs> there you go. That sounds like fun. So that's later on. That's, that's not this trip. On. That's yeah. that's going to be later. That's right. next trip. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Adrian's movie review coming up today. We'll do that. Um, also, Alexander Volkanovsky. This is going to be a fun one. One of the great MMA fighters uh, of our time. And getting ready for a big one this weekend. In fact, uh, that conversation is going to be coming up in a couple of hours. So, uh, excited about that. Um, you think about, you know, just what his career has been like. Uh, it, it's been ridiculous. So, Alexander Volkanovsky uh, going to be joining us uh, coming up here uh, in our 6 o'clock hour, and then Tim Haggerty, and uh, we'll get everything else going as well. So, yeah, we've got a good uh, good program today. A lot of good things lined up for you. Uh, where do we start? Do we start with Kevin Durant wanting out of Brooklyn, or do we start with UCLA-USC? I say we start the USC-UCLA move planning to go to the Big Ten because this is fascinating. Fascinating. Um, in terms of the dominoes that could fall as a result of USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 as early as 2024, and what could happen as uh, teams jockey for position in terms of trying to replace the schools. Now, we don't know for sure yet uh, if this does go down, what's going to happen to the Pac-12. It could gut them. I mean, it really could. It's 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 similar to the Big Twelve losing um, their big schools in Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, you know, there are other Big Twelve schools that still are uh, are fun to watch, but you're losing the two big ones. Same thing with the Pac-12. 
You lose USC and UCLA, and I don't want to say you've gutted the Pac-12, but, I mean, what do you do if you're Arizona? What do you do if you're Arizona State? Um, you know, what do you do if you're um, potentially, you know, Washington or uh, some of the other programs that, uh, you know, or, or Oregon? What do you do there? I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about right now what will happen with the two California schools leaving. And then also, what do you do if you're Stanford? You're left behind. So Stanford left behind by this move. So uh, a lot of interesting scenarios now with USC and UCLA leaving. And then you wonder, will the Mountain West possibly fill one of the voids with Boise or somebody else? And could that also open the door to UTEP finally getting back to the Mountain West? I mean, all of these things could be in play as a result of USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. It's so funny, right, because we thought that back uh, with the SEC move from Texas and OU going over there, it could open doors for UTEP possibly leaving Conference USA down the line. Now, that wasn't the case, but could you imagine if the Pac-12 is the reason why UTEP ends up leaving uh, CUSA and goes over to a conference like the Mountain West? I mean, that's crazy in itself. But, uh, you know, the big picture for me with the the move today from USC and UCLA going over to the Big Ten – it just shows me that no more regional conferences. Regional conferences are done. It's it's not a thing anymore where you can say, hey, all the teams in the Pacific Northwest are playing against each other. All the teams in the West Coast are in, in a conference together or things like that. It's done because the SEC has shown that they can go from, you know, all the way on the East Coast to Texas. They could go, you know, you have Conference USA, which is stretching from New Mexico State, Las Cruces, all the way out to schools like Florida International. So, you have these conferences all across college sports now where regional you know regional uh, geography means nothing and that's a, that's right. a big picture right there well don't you kind of see though the biggest picture is at the end of this at the end of this discussion you're going to get a combination of SEC ACC Big 10 Big 12 and whatever's left in the pack and they're all going to kind of form their own regional leagues i mean it's very likely that we could have 70 schools and then everybody else, all just, um, you know, the, the best of the rest is the best way to put it. It wouldn't surprise me if they formed their own uh, football league, their own football championship, their own basketball, March Madness, and they just leave everything else behind. I, I mean, don't you think that's where we're headed when it's all said and done? Yes, I do. I think that the college sports that we know nowadays, it's over. I mean, we're in into the new era of college athletics, and for the good or for the bad, it, it's going to happen. Now, if you're talking about UTEP being a, a like a, prim, a primary school, right, where if where like freshmen and sophomores go in college athletics and they perform, they play, they they do well, and then they leave. Like after the first two years, it, it's kind of like the mid majors group of five. We, yeah. We've even discussed this before. Might become the next junior college and. And then you're talking about your power fives or your or your high major teams. Those are the teams that are going to take those, uh, you know, junior college or mid major transfers into their program, and that's kind of their final step. I see. I agree with you. I do. Um, Thirteen past as we get started here on sports. I want to talk about this because the ramifications are just. Uh, it really is. It's enormous. Uh, it's just going to destroy the Pac-12, which. Um, and, and by the way, the Pac-12 has another problem. They've got to deal with uh, their new TV deals. That's going to be also really interesting. So, And then also, Fox has an upcoming TV deal with the Big Ten. 
That was supposed to be announced in the upcoming weeks. What happens now when you bring California into the Big Ten with Fox? How much will that change the landscape? You'll have so much leverage at that point if you're the Big Ten. You have USC and UCLA coming into the mix. That means way more dollars will be coming uh, through as well. When you think about the five power uh, power fives, all right, you go SEC one. You probably would go after that Big Ten two, and then you wonder Big Twelve pack whatever is left and the ACC. Do you go ACC three? By default, I mean, what do you think, Jason? I go with three. I ACC would, yeah, three. I was saying Clemson, three back here. You still have Clemson in the ACC. If you can acquire Notre Dame, you're you're automatically number three, right? That's true too. Because chances are, when this thing breaks, Notre Dame's going to have to. They can't. They won't stay independent. They'll have to align somewhere. If they go to the Big Ten, then it's SEC, Oof. Big Ten, and every a huge gap, and then huge everybody gap. else. Huge gap. I agree with you. Now, I, I I do wonder if eventually, if you get to these twenty four team leagues in these regions. Then it would just make sense that the Big Twelve would combine with the Pack whatever's left, the Pac Ten now, I guess, right? That, that would make the most. Sense. That would make the most sense. Yeah. But I don't know if we're there yet. I think that's coming, but we're not there for that yet. So the only question is, is how will the ripple effects shake up everything else? How will the Mountain West be affected? Then would could could schools like uh, like UTEP get into the mix? Could they? It's possible. There's probably a bunch of AAC schools that are also going to be jockeying for position too. There, so that's that's also uh, you know something to be noted. I don't know, man. It's going to be a crazy situation when the Big Ten presidents and chancellors vote on the addition of USC and UCLA uh, coming up now. From what I understand, apparently the vote is today at four. How about that? So yeah, four o'clock. We should have a we should have a Twitter response here pretty quick on this. We really should. So we want to talk about that. Um, Paul Marmalejo, talk li- um, uh, live golf, please. He really wants us to talk golf on the show. Uh, that is a first. Very few listeners will ever call in wanting to talk about uh, the um, you know the the new tour, the Saudi backed. LIV Golf International Series that's going on right now. But maybe that's what we're going to be doing because he wants some of that. We haven't talked a lot about that. But it is interesting that 17 players were suspended by the PGA Tour ahead of their inaugural event uh, coming up earlier th- from earlier this month, So, including Dustin Johnson. So we could, we could talk about that. I, I do have opinions on that, but th- to me, the, the story of the day right now is this college sports with UCLA and USC, and then also, obviously, uh, Durant wanting out of Brooklyn. What could happen there? Where will Kevin Durant go, and what will Brooklyn do? When you get the, one of the, arguably the, the top 10 players in the history of the game wanting out, now he's done with Brooklyn? Oh, I'm interested to see what happens there. This situation couldn't get any worse. It just did. Kyrie opts in. Durant wants out. You got to love that drama in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's so funny, Steve, because I threw out a tweet that said, who saw this coming as a, a very sarcastic tweet? I mean, this this was coming. Writing was on the wall that there would be some kind of breakup at some point with Brooklyn. Now we just get to spend the entire summer wondering where Kevin Durant will go. Yep, you're right. And NBA deals are going around like crazy right now. Bradley Beal just signed a five-year deal. It is just, it's insane. So we'll catch you up on everything. We've got a ton to talk about on the show today. A lot of sports news, especially with the NBA free agency kicking off. And obviously, USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. 505-6009, that's our telephone number. 505-6009. 
Let's fill it up as we go to Charlie One and get our first traffic update. Twenty-one past the hour, five zero five six zero zero nine. That is our telephone number. NBA free agency. Well, maybe the Sixers just got better. PJ Tucker finalizing a three-year deal with the Sixers, um, and I believe the totals on that is thirty-three point two million dollars. Hey, look. This is why James Harden opted out of his $46 million option. He decided that if the Sixers are going to be competitive next year, they need to add players. P.J. Tucker could be the missing link that takes the Sixers to the top of the Eastern Conference. So now Harden will re-sign with Philadelphia. They've got the cap flexibility. They add a guy like Tucker, who uh, is clearly one of the more sought-after free agents this uh, NBA offseason, and the Sixers just got that much more interesting. It did, and everybody's being very quiet about the 76ers uh, because of, uh, I guess, the the underwhelming finish to their postseason run. With P.J. Tucker, you get your Giannis stopper, and I feel like if you're building a team in the East, you have to think about Giannis Antetokounmpo and every move that you make. No one on the 76ers could guard Giannis this past year, and now you have at least somebody who can go toe-to-toe with Giannis, albeit, I mean, going up against the Greek freak, you're not going to win most of those matchups, and uh, I, I just, I think that if you're Philly right now, you're happy knowing that you have P.J. Tucker defensively to really help you out. And you got his three-point shooting. You got him in the corner. Now James Harden could drive inside, dish it out into the corner. P.J. Tucker could shoot it. He's reuniting with his Houston Rockets teammates right. right there. That's right. So really like this a lot for Philadelphia. Um, really do. So it's kind of interesting now. Uh, we're also hearing the news. Uh, Jalen Brunson to the Knicks is all but official. I haven't seen the dollars on that yet. Have you seen the official totals? Yeah, I saw 104. I don't know if that's going to be final when it's all said and done. Uh, that's a ton of money. ton of money for uh, J- Jalen Brunson. Uh, four-year, $104 million deal to the New York Knicks. Uh, it was reported by Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. And with this move, it really just to- told me today that Jalen Brunson knew that this was done. He had an opportunity to meet with both the Dallas Mavericks and the Miami Heat today. They actually flew into New York, and then he declined those meetings last minute uh, and elected to sign with the Knicks. Wow, really? All right. Hey, by the way, um, I'll say this. I know you say $102 million is a ton for four years. Is it really when you start thinking about the dollars they're throwing around for everybody around, this, around the league right now? Honest to God. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. You it's know, it's, it's 20, 25, 26 million a year. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's not 46 million. It's not 35 million. It's, it's a lot of money, but you're dealing with somebody who's still very young and somebody who's getting better and better every year. So I look at it, I look at it like that. And on a franchise that has not been able to land anybody, um, they did take uh, Dallas' second best player right away from them. Yeah, and let's say that this doesn't work out with Jalen Brunson. Maybe two years down the line, uh, there's another disgruntled star like Donovan Mitchell out in Utah. 
And those salaries match. They think, oh, well, yeah, we're paying this much to Jalen Brunson. Well, yeah, Donovan Mitchell's getting this much money over there in Utah. Those salaries match up a little bit. Maybe you throw an extra player or two in the mix just to make the deal official. But now at least, yeah, I've come around on this deal just knowing that it's asset acquisition. And if you're in the NBA right now, it's all about how many assets do you have in order to make that next trade or that next deal to try to put you over the top. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So, um, you know, you look at some of the other possible uh, moves that are happening right now. I'm, I'm still very interested to see uh, where Durant goes when that's all said and done. How about uh, also hearing the news that uh, uh, Jaron Jackson uh, is going to be out four to six months after going uh, undergoing surgery to repair a stress fracture in his right foot. So that also broke uh, earlier today. Bad news if you're a Grizzlies fan. Really harsh news, Steve, because Jaron Jackson Jr.'s whole career has been marred with injuries. I mean, this guy has been injured for the first two seasons of his career. Then he finally has a healthy season, gets back in the mix with Memphis, really helps them immensely in their postseason run. And now he's out four to six months? That yeah. that probably means seven months, knowing the timeline and kind of injury rehab recovery history we've seen with Jaron Jackson Jr. in the past. So that's that's alarming news right there. Are we shocked that Bradley Beal just got $251 million over five years from the Wizards? I'm not shocked about anything in the NBA, but this is uh, this is one of those deals right there that's a massive head-scratcher to me. Uh, I He's going to opt out. He's going to want to trade down the line. This is just – he just wanted to get paid. I understand it for Bradley Beal wanting to get that money but man that is it already it's already becoming one of the worst contracts in the NBA and he hasn't even signed it and made it official yet I know I'm with you on that one Um, trust me I just find uh, the whole thing uh, real interesting right now by the way you see Anthony Simon signing a, a signing a deal I think it's uh, four years a hundred million to stay uh, with Portland yeah I hate this one again uh, I'm I'm really questioning a lot of moves that Portland's doing to try to try to keep Damian Lillard happy right like you you go out in the in the seventh overall pick and you take a guy out of Kentucky who didn't really play um, and and that's what I in shade and sharp by the way and that's where yeah. I started scratching my head now they're going after and paying this kind of money to Anthony Simons Tell me who in the NBA is paying that kind of money to him. You could have got him for way less money. You could uh, use that extra money to go out and get Damian Lillard some nice stars yep. and pieces around him. Now now I'm still sh- uh, shaking my head wondering what's going to happen in Portland. Hey, that's somebody the Knicks just threw out at uh, Jalen Brunson. Practically the same exact deal. Yeah. So think about that. That's that's what I'm saying. This is the this is the market that these guys are making right now. That's that's the money they're making. It's it's crazy. I guess in that regard, Bobby Portis for $49 million over four years is a bargain compared to some of these other players. Yeah, that is a bargain. And he's a fan favorite out in Milwaukee. I like that move a lot. Uh, I just saw this one break right now. NMSU's Trevlin Queen yep. has agreed to a deal with the 76ers, Steve. Woj had that about five minutes ago. That's really cool because Trevlin Queen has been terrific in the G League, and now he's got an opportunity to try to play for the Sixers. I think that's terrific for NMSU. Yeah, he was the MVP of the G League last year, so now he gets an opportunity with the 76ers. Good job by the scouting department over there in Philly. Yep, absolutely. So between Sham Sharania and uh, Woj, you pretty much can get everything you need as far as uh, NBA news here today. Um, and and they're all breaking it. It is uh, it's so interesting, and a lot of these are you know uh, smaller deals. That's that's the truth. Like. Wesley Matthews, one-year deal to return to the Bucks. Uh, Javon Carter, two-year deal to Milwaukee. Um, that also has happened. 
I'm looking to see what else we've got here. Malik Monk, two years, $19 million, uh, to go to the Kings. So Very interesting one right there with Malik Monk. Uh, a lot of people thought that the Lakers would re-sign him and, and get him on, but, he, you know, they just don't have enough money. And, uh, you know, all the power to uh, somebody like Malik Monk, who signed for more money out in Sacramento. Uh, for the Kings, that's not a difference maker, man. You're going to need a lot more than just Malik Monk. Nick's got a backup center today, Isaiah Hartenstein. Two years, $16 million from the Clippers. So he now joins them and uh, will be uh, backing up Mitchell Robinson at the center spot for the Knicks. I like him. I think that he could be a nice addition. And just coming off the bench, a good role player. Again, a lot of free agent news. A lot. How about um, what uh, Jokic just came out with today? Five years, $264 million Supermax extension with the Denver Nuggets. Richest deal in the history of the NBA. Very deserving for the NBA's two-time MVP coming off back-to-back MVPs awards. Uh, It's very deserving for him. He's such a great guy, great player. He's the example of what you want to see in an NBA all-star and superstar. Yeah, Jokic, well-deserved for this Supermax deal. Uh, Hearing Brunson's deal, by the way, will be $110 and that uh, the uh, the, uh, Dallas Mavericks never had the opportunity to offer. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're going to go someplace – don't you still give the, the the team that you've been playing the last few seasons with the opportunity? Or are you so upset that they always tried to lowball you over the last couple of seasons, you don't even give them the satisfaction? No, if I'm upset and I don't want to be there anymore, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, take the, the best deal I can. And I don't have yep. to tell you anything, honestly. There you go. Well, you, that's, well, you and Jalen Brunson have something in common there, Jason. That's, that's good. I like that. His dad's yeah. there, too, so... That's true. See? That is true. His pop said, don't, don't meet with the nah, Mavs. Keep it in the family. Oh, my God. You guys are hilarious. Okay, look. We got so much more to get to. Let's do it. Uh, 31 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Adrian's back. I don't know how he's going to get through everything, but he's going to give it his best shot. He's got this Sports Center update. All right, Adrian. Thank you very much. By the way, did you see that another Supermax deal will be going uh, to none other? I, I love this because I, I saw this story a little while ago, and I was like, wow, that's another good one I didn't think about. But uh, Phoenix opening up the um, wallets for Devin Booker. Apparently that'll be 214 over four. So that'll be over $50 million a year for Devin Booker. That's very, that's a very interesting one right there, and it, it's a no-brainer because Devin Booker is one of the premier guards in the NBA. You give him the supermax anytime, uh, you know, any time of the day. The interesting part with Phoenix today, Steve, is learning that Kevin Durant is interested in both Phoenix and Miami. Really? Yeah. Wow. But I hate that. I hate that for so yeah, many reasons. Because he wants to go to the most loaded team he could find. Yeah. I've been saying this for a very long time. Uh, Kevin Durant can't do it by himself. He has to have a loaded team behind him. That's why he went to the Warriors, got a ring, thought he was going to go to Brooklyn, build a team behind that. It didn't work out, and now he's going to do the same thing again to go to a loaded team. I mean, the, uh, one thing that Kevin Durant does have is a ring, but the one thing that he is is almost like Charles Barkley. Interesting. Interesting. Well, all I can tell you is this, guys. Um there's there's so much there's so much happening. And by the way, Devin Booker, he's going to be on the cover of NBA 2K23. Thoughts on that? I like it. I think it's uh, well. What did you think, Jason? I thought it was well deserved. I think that's kind of cool. Like, I mean, I, you would think that it would be like you know the MVP or something like that. But 
Devin, I feel like he's earned it, and if he doesn't get it now, I don't think he's going to get it any other time. So right now, yeah. and he's hot right now. He's he hot right hot. now. Actually, that's a good point. Maybe it should have been Jokic on the cover off the Supermax deal. I would have loved MVP. that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm with you on that one, too. Um, this came from Ed McDonald at Mac on Twitter. Hats off to Trevlin Queen. Is New Mexico State uh, getting any residue financial gain? Residual, I'm sorry. Residual financial gain from these players in the NBA. Money back ags. Listen, if there's ever any human being on the planet that could find a way to get money back from Pascal Siakam, Trevlin Queen, it's Mario Mocha. Has he been able to do so? I don't know just yet. But, um, you know, it's not like if you're in a college and you've got guys playing in the NBA, you're getting residual money. Now, if, if they liked their, their experience and their time there and you've got a good relationship with them and then you hit them up for money, there's a chance they'll say yes. But it doesn't work like uh, you just automatically reap the benefits. So it's not like UTEP has made millions off of Aaron Jones. No, or like uh, imagine if UTEP got a huge check off uh, Jim Bad News Barnes being the number one overall pick. That'd or be something awesome. Like that. or, or like Nate Archibald, uh, you know, winning an NBA ring, like they get they get a big check off something like that. That would be great. But no, it just doesn't happen that way. I will say that uh, Pascal Siakam definitely has those funds to help out New Mexico State if he wants to. Yeah, he could build the whole uh, the whole training center. It could be the Pascal Siakam training facility. He could do so much. That new deal that he's got, he's, he's on a max deal. He could definitely do a lot of cool things. I'm with you on that one. I am with you. Anyway, um, this is pretty good. Um, Pinky, this is all about the beginning of the show. We were talking about USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. Lots and lots of activity on Twitter. Pinky tweets the show, USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. Those surfer dudes are going to freeze their behinds in uh, FB. Not a good move for me. He talked about in football, he meant football. It's going to be good. Um, listen, here's the thing, okay? Um, yeah, the surfer dudes will freeze going to the uh, Big Ten. Uh, but, man, think about how nice it's going to be for all these Big Ten schools to go to Southern California in November. That's going to be, like, the greatest thing ever. They're going to feel like they're on vacation. So. I am not, I'm not with it, Steve. We don't need that type of uh, animosity in the Southern California. Uh, it, it's I'm heartbroken right now. <laughs> like, this is... I don't even know what to think. I can't. I, I don't. I'm not with it. I'm not yeah. with it. As a as a Pac-12 person, uh, pretty well, much my whole life. I understand. By the way, speaking of the Pac, what you said, Pac-10. How about this? Chris Carpenter tweets the show at 600 ESPN El Paso. The Arizonas, Utah, and either Oregon or Colorado are going to the Big 12. Now that's another interesting story. Okay, because if I'm not mistaken, Colorado was already in the Big 12. Yeah, they were. They left, and you think about where they are right now. I don't know if they're going, and that's the thing, too. Will the Pac-12 dissolve? That's going to be the biggest question. You know, we're wondering if the Mountain West is going to send schools to replace USC and UCLA. It's possible that the Pac-12 ends up going to the Mountain West when it's all said and done, if there aren't enough schools left. Who knows how this whole thing is going to shake out right now? I commend the Big Ten for acquiring teams because this was the wild, wild west just a couple months ago where it seemed like every every team right, uh, you know, in, in the Power Five or mid-majors, they were looking around to see if they needed to make the right decision to move conferences. And I feel like for the Big Ten, they were smart in kind of doing this behind behind uh, closed doors and, yep. and making this happen. Now, if I look at the ACC, uh, the, excuse me, the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, 
I like Memphis to the Pac-12. I like teams like possibly, you know, uh, but again, you have to throw out geography. You have to throw out regional rivalries. I like teams like East Carolina possibly down the line going to the Pac-12. Or I look at the Mountain West and I think San Diego State uh, to the Pac-12 makes a lot of sense, along yep. with, of course, Boise. That's the that's the obvious one right there. Um, this comes from Andrew Holskin. He tweets the show, the Arizonas, Utah, and Colorado are all coming to the Big 12. If the Big Ten doesn't take Oregon slash Washington, those two will become the two big fish in the new look Big 12. I really like the Oregon idea and Washington idea possibly. Uh, that They would be the big dogs. and I yep. really like this one. So think about it. Oregon State, Washington State. Let's think of the schools that are going to get screwed. That's the best way to put it right now. Because if you think about what could happen with the Big 12 and the Big 10 and where the Pac-12 is currently right now, here are the schools that could get the shaft, okay? We don't know what Stanford's going to do. We don't know about Cal. We don't know about Oregon State or Washington State. And and ultimately, um, that's really where it lies right now. If, if the Arizonas, Arizona, Arizona State, um, all decide, and, and we don't know about Utah. Utah could end up uh, out looking in. There's That's the one thing right now is suddenly, you know, we were all talking about how Conference USA was on the verge of extinction, and they figured out a way to con- kind of survive What's the Big 12 going to do if all of a sudden everybody left is just thinking about themselves and they want to just get someplace safe before their conference dissolves into nothing? Yeah, this is, uh, you know, at, at these points right now where the Big 12, the Pac-12 are so vulnerable right now, and, and I guess maybe it was their their own fault for being mm-hmm. so top-heavy. When you're these conferences like the Big 12 and you're marketing Texas and OU left and right and not really marketing the other conf- or the other schools in your conference as much, then that, then you're just telling your everybody where your priorities lie. It's, where, it's with the winners. It's with the money-making programs. And uh, the Pac-12 is so reliant on a, a team like USC, a university like them, where they bring a lot of money, a lot of donors, a lot of excitement when it comes to football, UCLA when it comes to basketball. It's it's going to gut their their uh, their conference if they lose a, t- a university like Oregon and Stanford and maybe Washington in the mix. How does this affect UTEP? We have no idea. We, we really don't know because ultimately we don't know what's going to happen to the Pac-10 or the Pac-12 now that it's down to the Pac-10 again. We don't know. We don't know if they're going to be able to keep everybody together. We don't know if these schools are all going to jump ship and try to get out to the Big 12 and the Big 10 and wherever else they can go. We just don't know. And here's another thing. Do you really think the Big 10 is going to take Oregon or Washington? In other words, if the Big 10 wanted more than two, wouldn't they have approached USC and UCLA about recruiting more than just two schools to go with them? It's obvious to me that the Big 10 wanted California as a media market and they obviously needed a travel partner so it made the most sense to send USC and UCLA to the Big Ten so now you've got your natural travel partner going um, when they go to the Midwest and vice versa I don't know if they want any more because if they wanted two more schools they would have gotten them when they had the chance 
Yeah, and I also think that USC is still a step above Oregon and Washington State. By uh, excuse me, Washington by a long shot. I, yeah. I do, and I think it's the donors, it's the booster money, it's all that. It's Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma, where he built a, a college football playoff contender year after year for a, a job at vacancy over at USC. That's the kind of program they have. That, that's why I think it's just so different right there. I'm with you. I think the Big Ten zeroed in on the two top programs and universities out of the Pac-12, and they wanted to poach them. I'm with you. All right, 18 in front of five. Come back with more in a moment. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Talk continues. Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplow. It's good to have you back. 600 ESPN El Paso. Our telephone number, 505-6009. How about Matthew Batten getting his first ever call up to the big leagues today? Love that story. Matthew Batten has been grinding it out in El Paso the last couple of years. He is your classic example of an organizational player who gets his opportunity now and put in the work and Good for Matthew Batten, good for the Chihuahuas, and great for the Padres giving him the chance. Yeah, I love this. I, I love this for so many reasons. You just every anytime you listen to the Chihuahuas baseball coverage over the past couple of years, you heard the name Matt Batten, uh, and and usually it was for good things. He was a he's a strong hitter for this team. He's really just been an organizational guy all his time in the minors, and uh, now getting the chance against the Dodgers this weekend. I, I love it. I, I think that's awesome for him. It really is, and uh, you know you you look. At the kind of season he's had and all all I could say is consistency that's the key with Batten he's been good uh, again and you know you 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 play you put in the work and um you get rewarded and that's uh, I think the the coolest thing about you know a situation like this and on a team that could have had other guys getting called up, let's be honest, there are plenty of names uh, of guys that are definitely deserving of going to San Diego the way they're playing right now here in El Paso and the way that they've uh, been able to hit the baseball and, and, and come through. Um, but, you know, again, you look at Batten so far this season, 299 batting average, slugging 504 and on base percentage of 399. So he's got an OPS of 903, 10 home runs, 31 RBIs, 13 stolen bases, and Matthew Batten is somebody who was drafted in the 32nd round by the Padres. 32nd round. He is the I mean, he's a classic underdog story. He really is. So that, in, in a sense, is also pretty impressive when you think about it. We got to get Matt on the show after this stint. I mean, hopefully he doesn't come back to El Paso. Hopefully he's out there with the San Diego Padres for the rest of the season. But if he ends up back in El Paso, we definitely have to ask him what this feeling was like. Because imagine putting in all this work Ugh. since he was drafted in 2017, like you mentioned, 32nd rounder, and getting an opportunity with San Diego like that. That's a full circle dream come true moment right there. sure is. It sure is. So, anyway, I'm excited for Batten. Excited for uh, the Padres and more than anything, uh, excited about the fact that we've got uh, another first timer going up to uh, to San Diego. That's the beauty of it. It really is. It's great when they first get that chance. So um, that's one of the storylines we're following here on Sports Talk today as we continue um, at 53 past the hour. And we've got about another hour and a half to go. We'll get Hags' thoughts on Batten uh, coming up when he joins us uh, here to end uh, the show at about 6.15. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. But uh, in the meantime, uh, just so many good storylines. This came out on Twitter. 
from Chris Carpenter. How many more years does the Sun Bowl have a contract with the Pac-12? I think that their deal ends when all of the uh, college football TV deals end, the bowl deals end. And I forget what that is. I think it's like another three, four more years, something like that. If I'm not mistaken, it's like 25 or 26 when it's when it's all over. I wonder if there are any stipulations in any of these bowl contracts that have you know that are that throw like that the, the contract the conference has to remain intact. Steve, where are they going to? Here's the thing. Okay, this the thing about this for a second. Where's the Sun Bowl going to go? What are you going to do? You're going to you're going to leave the Pac-12 and take a, uh, a an eighth pick in the SEC or the Big 12 or the Big 10. These other bowls are not going to give up their other conference affiliations. So, you know, if you're the Sun Bowl, you don't really have much of a choice. What are you going to do? Because if you jump ship and you take another conference, you're probably going to be picking below almost every other bowl game. You don't want to do that either. Yeah, you're going group of five at that point. And exactly. Unfortunately, that's not where they want to go. Of course not. They want to stick with the Power Fives and go with Pac-12 and ACC. That's quality opponents right there. 100% agree. 100% agree. When we come back, uh, Adrian Adrian, Jason, and I will get you into more NBA free agency talk. We will talk more about USC, UCLA, and how this could shake up the entire college sports landscape, and a whole lot more. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Along with Adrian Bratis, Jason Craig, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Am I working with Jason tomorrow, or am I working with uh, Angel? You're definitely working with Mr. Craig tomorrow. It will right. be me, sir. Good job, man. Looking forward to it. I'm going to teach, work, I'm gonna teach you some things with? about music. What's that? I'm going to teach you some things about music. Oh, for crying out loud. It's the other way around. You're going to be so much more uh, versed uh, after working with me for a day uh, tomorrow. It's going to be amazing. Wait till you play some Donny Iris on the show. Right, Adrian? Oh, Got yeah. to let Jason know about Donny Iris. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, he's like he's like wondering. He's, he's thinking to himself, he's like, "Who is that? He's who's, get, he, who's he talking about? Who is that?" You know what I like about Jason is the second day that he got here, he has already familiarized himself with the entire KLAQ library, Kiss FM library. Yep, KLAQ HD two library. He knows all of it. Like he's ready to go. I love it. He's he's in a he's a DJ in his own element. That's what it's all about. That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. I don't think you're going to be ready for some of these songs. I'm going to throw some wrenches in there. Are you really? Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty. I'm pretty versatile. You'll be like, wow. I like that. Hey, um, let me. Well, let me ask. Uh, let me ask Jason this. Jason, have you ever heard of this? Uh, this timeless classic that I'm about to play for you. The answer is no, he hasn't. I can tell. I have not heard it, but I'm already. I love the bass. Oh, the yeah. bass, but it's just. Donny Iris for crying out loud. Hang on, just wait till the chorus hits. You'll like this. This is a, uh, it's a classic. Here it comes. Look, look at Steve over here. I'm here for all of this. <laughs> this is amazing. There we go. All right, so we're going to be playing some music tomorrow with uh, Jason. That'll be good. And he's going to be playing some for me, too, so that'll uh, that'll work out fine. I'm excited about that. Good. All right, uh, 
Adrian, you're going to have a good time. I know that. You, uh, you haven't taken vacation in forever, so it'll be good. You need a well-deserved uh, weekend out and uh, enjoy yourself out in the Dallas area. And we'll look forward to seeing you back here on Wednesday's show. But, uh, Adrian, since you're not going to be here uh, tomorrow or Tuesday when we get back, the USC-UCLA news, if you're just driving home from work and you're hearing the story now that they're going to be going to the Big Ten, broke this afternoon, and it's pretty much all about a done deal right now, and they could be leaving as soon as 2024. If you had to guess, what do you think happens to the rest of the Pac-12 as a result? I think it stays intact, and I think they get into a big-time acquisition mode. They're, we, we will hear probably by the, get, uh, the time I get back on Wednesday, I think we hear the news of either a team like Boise deciding to move over by the time of 2024, a team like – or a, a university like San Diego State making that same kind of move. I think we see more moves for the Pac-12 kind of being uh, buyers and acquiring universities versus uh, the Pac-12 completely folding. Well, in order to do that – they have to convince the rest of the league to stay together. Now, my question is, now that the Big Ten is adding these schools, do you think the Big 12 is going to be aggressive and they're going to take the – because remember, they're still thinking about replacing Texas and Oklahoma, all right? And even though they're bringing in, what, Cincinnati, um, Houston – UCF. Um, UCF. Wichita, right? Uh, is, it, is it Wichita? I thought it was... Um, let me think. I didn't think it was... Uh, maybe it is. Maybe it is Wichita. I don't know. I don't... Th- no, I think it was... It's Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and there's one more school from the AAC. At least I think that's the case. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, BYU. BYU, that's, that's, BYU. There you go. that's right. BYU, that's right. I was like, who is this? Okay. So if they're all going to the Big 12 to replace Texas and Oklahoma, how much bigger does the Big 12 want to get? Because right now they're already at 14. How Do they want to go 16? Do they want to go 18? Where do they go? I mean, Arizona and Arizona State's probably a, a, a combination. I don't think one leaves without the other. And then... You know, we were talking about our other, uh, you know, the other schools that are rumored to be going to the Big 12 right now. And Utah and Colorado. So if Utah, Colorado, Arizona and Arizona State all go to the Big 12, now all of a sudden the Pac-12 becomes the Pac-6. Then what do they do? That's a really good question right there because if you're Arizona, if you're Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, I'm moving to the Big 12. I I would. I would be looking uh, at my own university at that point and I would be saying, yeah, I don't want to be in the Pac-12 whatsoever. So if I'm Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, I have all the intentions of going over to the Big 12. And you really think the Big 12 wants to expand to 18 schools? Why That's not? enormous. But why not, Steve? In an acquisition era that we're in right now where the SEC is moving into a huge new uh, you know, era of what they're going to do in their own sport, yep. You don't, there's no surefire, um, any kind of like, uh, I, I don't know, there's, there's no it's way survival of survival of the fittest. But there's no way of telling if BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF will actually pan out in the Big 12. So I think you get true. The, the second best, which is the, the leftover from the Pac-12 or teams who want to leave the Pac-12. Well, let me ask you this, okay? Is Colorado, Utah, and the Arizonas the best of the rest from the Pac-12? Some will say, how do you not take Oregon? 
Yeah. That's- Plus, you got Nike dollars. So that's big right there. So that's also another question is, um, you know, who gets left behind? Now, immediately you think, okay, um, you know, you could see now you could see Cal left behind and you could see Oregon State and Washington State. Those are probably your bottom three, the bottom feeders of the Pac-12, right? Um, although some will argue that Colorado has done nothing to be relevant ever since they joined the Pac-12. They've just been a giant disappointment more than anything else. That's very true. I think that Oregon and Washington, those are the two, uh, I guess those are the two best quality teams at, at universities from the Pac-12 who are still there. Then it's a ne- the, the next tier, which is those teams that have that kind of like historical notoriety, like your Arizona, Arizona States, and so on. And then it drops for that bottom, bottom tier, like you mentioned. Jay brings up a great point. We text into the show today here on Sports Talk. He texts in, keep in mind that Pac-12 has a high education requirement that schools like Boise uh, or San Diego State don't don't meet. Now, the question is, do they change that? Is it desperate times call for desperate measures, and they're going to try to waive the higher education requirement, realizing that if they don't, they could fold. So that's another problem right now. Is if you're the Big Twelve, if you're the Pack, you know, and that's, this is going to be kind of interesting. Does the Pack, if if it becomes the Pack Six, let's just say, right? Does the Pack Six then merge with the Mountain West? That could be a possibility, yeah. also. Yeah, that's a that's a very huge possibility. I I look at it also like what what if the Big Ten looks for more teams out of the Big Twelve? Now now level with me here, right? Because we're going a lot of hypotheticals. What if Kansas is still waiting out there, and the Big Ten wants to acquire Kansas for all the all the television uh, you know broadcast revenue that you can get for basketball? What if they look at the Kansas's way? Then you know Big T- Twelve is acquiring Pac twelve schools. And then, you know, the Big Ten continues to get better. Here's the thing about the Big Ten. And I said this earlier, and I'll I'll say it again. If they were looking to add more than USC and UCLA, why aren't they doing it right now? Why are they only focusing on Southern California and not a greater? Because some people are saying, well, maybe the Big Ten will keep expanding. Well, that's true. But if that's the case, why not now? Why would they wait and go after more Pac-12 schools down the road? Why would they not just zero in on everybody they want immediately and decimate the Pac-12? Well, I think you wanted to see how the dominoes would really fall after making this kind of announcement if you're the Big Ten. And I think the overall perception of this is the Big Ten wants to be a, a challenger to the SEC. Now, if that's going to be a reality, that's another uh, thing down the line that we'll have to examine. But the Big Ten at least wants to be in the conversation. We saw the Big 12 get poached with both Texas and o- OU going over to the SEC and making that decision. The Big 12 had to make moves quickly or else their conference could have folded at their own degree and instead of waiting on the sidelines instead of just waiting to see if other conferences would acquire more teams down the line the big 10 was proactive they went after the two flagship teams out of the pac-12 and they capitalized on that la tv market my god speaking of la speaking of la this story comes from brian winhorst executives have floated the possibility that the lakers can trade for both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving if they would like to continue playing together. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Laker Nation, Laker fans, could you imagine a scenario where the Lakers acquired both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Is this a gift or a curse? Well, wouldn't Anthony Davis be involved in that trade? Yeah, he would have to. And it would be Russell Westbrook, it would be Anthony Davis in the trade, and they would go for Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving. That's just me thinking off the top of the head how salaries would work. It, Lakers would probably have to throw in Taylor Horton Tucker into that uh, conversation as well. Not Tuck. <laughs> and then you'd throw in all the rest of the draft picks the Lakers have for the next 10 years. Good Lord. What a crazy uh, situation that would be. All right. Well, we'll see. You really want to watch three stars in their in their thirties play with each other who all have that kind of ego? No, I think it'd be the greatest reality television in the history of mankind. It'd be terrific, and it's probably LeBron's last stand. Let's be honest; it's probably LeBron realizing, "Hey, you know what? This is going to be my best shot." LeBron's never played with Kevin Durant. I just don't want this to happen for so many reasons. I th- This would really uh, taint, I think, a little bit of the legacy with LeBron if, if they go out and try to acquire Kyrie and KD in this sense because you threw everything at New York. Um, yep. Excuse me. You threw everything at New Orleans to acquire Anthony Davis. You traded and jeopardized and leveraged your entire team to trade for Anthony Davis, and it paid off because you won a title in 2019, excuse me, well, in 2020 during that bubble season. Here's the Lakers roster right now. You got Russell Westbrook and Kendrick Nunn at the point guard spot. Russ is making forty-seven million. Nunn is making five point two five million. You got Austin Reeves and uh, and Horton Tucker at the shooting guard spot. Horton Tucker makes ten point two million. Reeves makes two point two million. Lonnie Walker is your small forward. He makes six point four seven million. Troy Brown's the backup. He makes two million. Then you got LeBron, Stanley Johnson, and Wenyan Gabriel. And then Anthony Davis and Damian Jones. That's your roster right now. I could see the Lakers blowing it up to try to go out and make a legitimate shot at getting Kyrie and Durant if they would play together. That is the huge question. Durant requested a trade. Is it because of Kyrie opting in? Is that why Durant wants out of Brooklyn? We don't know. Well, that's a really good point because Sham Sharania reported that as soon as Kyrie Irving made the announcement, by the way, you know how the Brooklyn Nets found out about Kyrie Irving opting in as, uh, into his player option deal? Through the same way that we did, through Sham Sharania. That's how they found out. That probably made Kevin Durant super upset. And as a result, Sham Sharania reported today that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving haven't spoken since that since he elected to take that player option. Then how is Windhorse floating that idea of the Lakers trying to go after and get both Kyrie and Durant? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. And and also with KD and LeBron, they don't like each other. Those are two guys who no, go don't. at it and, and they go at it when it when it comes to each other's legs. But desperate times call for desperate actions. All right? That's true. KD wants out of Brooklyn. You know, after this past season, LeBron wants another shot at a ring. He's not an idiot. He realizes the value Durant could bring to the franchise and to him. So why wouldn't you want to play with arguably have a team with two of the top ten players in the history of the game? Yeah, I, I get it. I understand it. I You just would play with those three guys and literally no one else. And those three guys are older and don't play a lot of games. So that's oh. what, where it gets difficult. It is fascinating as we move along here on a uh, 5 o'clock hour on a Thursday. And there's so much to cover. Hey, listen, 
We've been rambling and, uh, and talking, ranting and raving about the college landscape and the NBA free agent market. We've got lines available for you right now. If you want to weigh in on, this to- on these topics, 505-6009. That's 505-6009. Get you through to Sports Talk as we go to Charlie One and get this traffic update. 22 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Tweets coming in. Augustine has resurfaced on Twitter. Ugh. And he started tagging players. Here we go. At Kevin Durant is uh, so overrated and so much of a crybaby, he doesn't have a winning legacy. He needed Curry, Thompson, and Draymond. Now he needs LeBron James. Talk about being the... No, I think he wanted to say hashtag sidekick, but he put hashtag side chick which wow. i like even better augustine is back and uh i'm not and, surprised um and and so are you know his misspellings on twitter i like that that's good that's what needs to be right yeah you know we have this thing called autocorrect and you know yep. you could just review your tweet and just make sure it's uh, just proof check, it yeah proofread and all that kind of stuff but nah let's just fire it off i like it man i like it when he fires off um you know tweets and doesn't even look at the spelling that's good stuff so, but he doesn't like Trey. Uh, it doesn't like um, um, Kevin Durant at all. He thinks he's overrated and a crybaby. So I guess if you asked Augustine if is Kevin Durant a top ten all time great, the answer is going to be absolutely not. Wow. Absolutely not. If you asked that question to him, he'd probably name a couple football players in the mix as well instead of uh, Ke- uh, Kevin Durant in that top ten list. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree, man. 24 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk 505-6009. That's our telephone number, 505-6009. Gets you right on in and through to the program. Would love to hear from you. Uh, Anything on your mind, this is the time to do it. Between the NBA free agency and uh, the uh, college news with USC and UCLA, both – uh, going to the Big Ten. It's a sh- it is shockwaves. Absolutely shockwaves. Uh, you can tweet the show, 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. That is 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. You know, here's something really interesting, too. Can you imagine if USC and UCLA approached the Big Ten and not the other way around, and that's how they were able to get out of the Pac-12? Mm, man, that could have definitely happened. I yeah, but th- this whole story has just been so crazy to just find out that this is the day that they do it. Now you're having every conference kind of reexamine themselves. I thought we were done with this, right? I thought we were done reclassifica- uh, with reclassification, with the restructuring of all these different conferences. But that's not the case. Uh, here in June, we're talking about conference realignment and shifting all across the board. Yep. I even wonder if the SEC is looking at the Pac-12, maybe even the ACC and wondering if they should acquire more teams now. Ah, interesting when you start to look at it that way. Maybe. What if we had like a bomb that just happened this next week that just said that Miami and Florida State are headed to the SEC? Would you yeah. be surprised? Um. Well, yeah, because I don't think they want to go. I don't think they have any interest in uh, like being travel partners. That's just personal. Yeah, I understand that. Okay, okay. Geographic but reasons. I get the idea. I do. Or Clemson going to the SEC? Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, Oregon. There's no regional rivalries anymore. This is no. It's not geography anymore. Not anymore. No, you're right. Hundred percent. 
Although, let's be honest. I mean, the travel costs would be ridiculous. As it is, you know, UCLA and USC can afford it. But there are certain schools in the Pac-12 that just can't, cannot afford that, right? Yeah, like a Utah couldn't make that SEC move. They probably wouldn't have the funds to do that. Uh, neither would Oregon State. Neither would Washington State. You know, um, neither would Cal. Although Cal could probably afford it. I mean, it's a very, uh, it's a prestigious school uh, from an academic standpoint. But you know, Cal's not normally competitive. The the academic restrictions, it's tough. I mean, you, we heard from LJ Martin, who he's a standout at Canyon Tio in the classroom and on the field, but that's the only reason he got a chance to, or that's a big reason as to how he got a chance to go over to Stanford, uh, getting accepted over there with a, with a, a near-perfect GPA. Yep, that's exactly right. Exactly right. Um, so those are some of the storylines we're, we're following right now. Let me see here. See, UTEP Zay has the interesting take, and that is with UCLA and USC joining the Big Ten, the Pac-12 will probably look to poach a couple of Mountain West teams leading the way for UTEP to join the Mountain West. Basically, UTEP needs to have a good season to have a chance. So it's so interesting because that's what we've talked about is, and you said it earlier, Adrian, you think that there's a better chance that the Pac-10 will stay together and poach the Mountain West, although, as Jay brought up earlier, the education requirements might not uh, might prohibit a Boise State or a San Diego State, which makes you wonder: Will the Pac-12 waive some of those educational standards in order to um, keep their keep their conference alive? Yeah, if that's the only roadblock right there, I'm I'm uh, t- totally eliminating all the academic requirements right there that I need in the conference. Because if if you're t- telling me that the Pac-12 could be on you know life alert down the line, yeah, they're going to do whatever they need to try to keep this conference intact and keep it afloat yep absolutely dan wolken just had a really interesting tweet the actual real story of the pac-12 decline is that football participation numbers on the west coast are abysmal and you can't get good assistance to live in la berkeley and seattle when you're offering them the same dollars or less than they can get in cheap southern college towns it's an interesting way of looking at it so and and i do and i have heard by the way that football participation numbers on the West Coast are abysmal. Heard that a lot. Um, so that's, that, that is not a surprise. Not a surprise at all. All right, as we continue here. Oh, by the way, I have been um, – I did receive confirmation from Augustine. Side chick is the tweet, uh, is the hashtag he was looking for. That is not a misspelling. He, he is going with side chick. No, I, t- I, I told Adrian back here, I was like, he said what he said. The only thing he messed up with was what he said, uh, Durant, is instead of saying so overrated, he said do overrated. But that's easy enough, the S and the D. It's easy to confuse a so and a do. That one I got. But I, I did. I was, I was wondering about side chick. But apparently, Adrian, side chick is accurate as far as uh, Augustine's intentions. He wanted to call Kevin Durant a side chick. Okay, so he only had one misspelling or one wrong thing that he put in there. So, yeah, okay, we can give him a pass at least here. Yeah, all right, that makes sense. Uh, let's go to uh, the phones right now. And as a Sports Talk continues, here is Domingo joining us next. Domingo, what's going on? How you doing, guys? Good, Domingo. What's up? Yeah, I think you heard earlier about UCLA joining the Big Ten in the future. In my opinion, it's a bad idea. Maybe if it thinks it's going to be good in all sports other than football, you're wrong. Because it's different. And then they want to go to for the money. There's going to be huge expenses like travel and hotel and other big costs. 
and it's not a good idea in other sports, for example. Well, let's just stick to the basketball side because the background, they're the only power five conference that do travel partners. Since UCLA and USC, the partners, they, one week they're at home and the other week they're on the road. And then Big Ten, they, one day they could be at home and the next on the road and then they could be, whoa, dude, it's not, not a good idea. It'll be bad for the team. Well, you realize one thing. You realize that it's all about the TV dollar. It's all about the dollars, man. It's what it is. I mean, Big Ten has more dollars for USC and UCLA than the Pac-12 does. And uh, the Big Ten looked at Los Angeles. They looked at Southern California. And and TV markets rule. And when you have the number two TV market in the country uh, staring you in the face with the number one market, depending on what the size right now is of L.A., you don't say no to that. And that's that's just the truth, Domingo. It's uh, TV... TV rules when it comes to this, and and that's just a, a, a classic example. And I appreciate the phone call, Domingo. Thanks for getting in, uh, Adrian. Uh, that's just what it's about. Sometimes is you know, and and not only are they not only is it a great TV market, but USC and UCLA turns on TV sets all over the country. That's right. And uh, why did Texas and OU make the decision to move over to the SEC? Dollars. Why are why is USC and UCLA going over to the Big Ten? Ultimately. Dollars. That's that's the real reason why all these moves end up happening in college sports. And uh, really, money has really impacted college athletics as we know it, and it's changed us into this new era. Bottom of the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. You want to weigh in? 505-6009 as we go right now to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. Came in, uh, coming in on Twitter from Ed. Do you think the realignment in college uh, from the teams of the Pac-10 tw- uh, going to the Big Ten will have an impact on the Sun Bowl? The only impact is that you won't see UCLA and USC here. That's the only. That's really it. I mean, I don't think the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl uh, considers leaving the Pac-10 or 12. There could be other bowls that might decide to look to go elsewhere, but the problem is. So many bowls are locked into conferences right now uh, with larger payouts that you're going to take a a seventh or eighth place team at best in another um, in, in another Power Five, and you don't want to do that. So you know the only question is going to be, Adrian, does the Pac-12 survive? You said it does, but if it breaks apart and loses, let's say just for argument's sake, Arizona, Arizona State. Um, along with Colorado and Utah to the Big 12, and then let's just say they lose more schools to the Big 10, and the remaining schools dissolve into other leagues, then obviously, uh, yes, the uh, all the Bulls that are dealing with the Pac-12 would have to look for other, uh, for other relationships. But if these conferences are going to form super leagues of 18 to 20 schools, then there won't be a problem if you pick seven or eight. Yeah, there's still going to be teams out there that are going to need a, a bowl destination. Like the eighth place team in the SEC in the future might end up being a team that goes eight and four or nine and three when it's all said and done. It just might be a real deep conference, uh, you know, down the line. Well, I, I, there's a quick solution. You could have both USC and UCLA come to the Sun Bowl in the next two years. That way, fans can get a chance to see them before they head off to the Big Ten. Yeah, that's a good point because they said that 2024 could be the start. So they'll have two more years to go. And then after that, it all changes. But you do, you realize that everybody's going to want USC and UCLA. And they're going to be in demand. And you know USC and UCLA are going to want to win the Pac-12. So they've got a chance to play in the Rose Bowl and play in a uh, in a championship, in a semifinals. Yeah, USC's not losing uh, 
a lot of games this year with Lincoln Riley as their head coach, Caleb Williams as their quarterback. I don't I don't see them losing too many games. And uh, for UCLA, I'm not too sure. I, I don't know. I mean, who knows if, if they can make a trip over to the Sun Bowl or like you say, uh, everybody's going to want them now knowing that there is a there is an end to this relationship in the Pac-12. They're, they're going to want them at their bowl game. Man, it is uh, it, it is uh, fascinating. And, and man, how the dominoes can fall, continue to fall and, and what's going to end up when the smoke clears. We don't know. We don't know how everybody else is going to react. But I do believe that sometime in the near future, when I say the near future, five to ten years, I do think that what's going to happen is is that the top schools in the top conferences are going to break apart from the NCAA. They're going to form their own league. They're going to form their own tournament for postseason play. They're going to form their own version of March Madness and do their own thing because I think that the schools that generate the most money feel like they are above the NCAA and ultimately can do their own thing once they have the proper organization and once they have the vision of how they want to operate their Super League. So I think what will end up happening is you'll have your, you know, your top 70, 80 programs, and then you're just going to have everybody else. And that's ultimately what college football and college basketball is going to turn into uh, when it's all said and done. And I do believe that those top 70, 80 schools will break apart from the NCAA. They'll form their own entity, and uh, they will then just allow every other school left to just fend for themselves, and that's what's going to happen. And, and I think that if that does take place – it's it's the fans will be upset because the Cinderellas will be gone because they'll all be powerhouses competing against each other. But then the uh, the bigger schools won't have to share with anybody but themselves. And ultimately, that's what they want. They want to make the most money possible, and they don't want their uh, their their dollars to go in a pool to to lesser schools. That's sad. That's a sad and uh, kind of a dark future that we, we could be seeing in college athletics, but it's hard not to agree with you, Steve. I, it, this is what we could be seeing in the future down the line and college sports like we know it, where there's a lot of tradition, a lot of history with a lot of these universities and all the different sports out there for college athletics. It could be washed away. That legacy could be tarnished based on just the, the moves that are being made by the higher ups, the people in power and people who think that think only with their wallet and not with uh, you know the traditions and histories that have been going with all these conferences and teams. It is so weird to look at the Big Ten right now. I mean, you've got Penn State, Rutgers, and Maryland in the northeast corner. You've got those three schools. And then you've got Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. And then a little farther west, you have Indiana, Purdue, Illinois, Northwestern, Wisconsin. And then you've got Minnesota, um, Iowa, and all the way, uh, I guess the uh, the closest schools to California is Nebraska, and then no, you know, then you just have USC and UCLA. Like the big the Big Ten map makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, none, because you got two in the far west coast, three in the northeast, and then you kind of have let's see, three, six, nine, eleven, just kind of grouped in between. Yeah. This is such a top-heavy league as well. I mean, before they acquired USC-UCLA, it's also a top-heavy league. Beside the weird geography kind of placements with all the different affiliates, there's an argument that the Big Ten, before this move, that the ACC and the Big Ten were kind of like on the same level. 
And now the Big Ten is the Big 16. The Big 16. So weird. So weird. It is weird. All right. 20 in front of six as Sports Talk continues as uh, we roll through. Um, Alexander Volkanovsky going to be joining Adrian Broadus 20 minutes from now. All of you UFC fans, you don't want to miss this conversation. Uh, and speaking of Adrian, his movie review comes next. Right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Too bad my computer is so slow. Couldn't get it done. That's what happens. He was waiting. He was waiting for that uh, that theme music. I get it. I get it. Now one's on me. That's a little parting gift before you leave for vacation tomorrow. No worries. No worries. All good. All right. Let me hear what uh, you've got for us today in our uh, daily movie review brought to you by a place I'll probably be heading this weekend. Maybe I'll, go see, uh, maybe I'll go see the new Minions movie with Joel over there at Alamo Draft House. Yeah, I want to ch- check out uh, Minions for sure before the weekend hits, at least, in, and before I go on vacation as well. Alamo Draft House brings you the season pass where you can watch unlimited movies at either their east or west locations. You can get tickets ahead of time, all for a low cost of just $17 a month, watching unlimited movies at Alamo Draft House. Visit drafthouse.com for more information. Uh, movie today... Born on the Fourth of July. Ooh, a heavy one. Heavy, Steve. I didn't realize yeah. that was th- yeah. that was going to be the case for this one going into this. Tom Cruise plays Ron Kovac, uh, who is actually a real person, and we'll get into that later. Uh, as a senior in high school, he said that he's excited about joining the Marines, and Ron uh, ends up enlisting, and he shocks his entire family. He's from a small town. His dad was uh, was a World War II veteran, and he did not want him to go. Once Ron is out in Vietnam, his enthusiasm turns into a horrific reality of what the war really is. He accidentally even kills one of his own uh, troops uh, out there in Vietnam. Uh, He ends up getting a bullet wound that leaves him paralyzed and leaves him in a wheelchair, and he just can't adjust as soon as he gets back to the U.S. He turns to alcohol, he fights with his parents, even has a crazy sabbatical to Mexico. Um, But nonetheless, Ron ends up changing his life he befriends another paraplegic uh whose name is charlie and then um you know ron ends up becoming a very outspoken anti-war activist vietnam veterans against war that's what he joins and he speaks out against the war at richard nixon's uh inauguration ceremony so this, there's some really harsh scenes i'm gonna go over some of the harsh scenes that i i wrote down When Ron comes home drunk and he starts yelling with his parents and makes a scene at the house, I mean, just a really, this is a miserable film at times, Steve. It's Mm -hmm. just hard to watch. It's harsh. Painful. It really is. Uh, And you feel for Ron. The scene of Ron trying to give a speech when he's back home and then he hears the baby crying, which triggers a, a memory back at Vietnam. It's a really tough scene as well. And then you you look at the protest scene at the end where the followers of Nixon and the security guards tried to restrict uh, Ron and all his, his brass for out being out there and protesting against the war. I mean, it, just some real harsh scenes to watch, and uh, very is the best Tom Cruise movie out there. There's just not going to be a better Tom Cruise movie that I think I'll see out there. Um, Oliver Stone, what a remarkable job of doing this film. It's harsh, it's tough to watch, but it's a fantastic film that everybody needs to see. Uh, it was it, it came out in 1989. Oliver Stone also did Scarface. He did Nixon. He did Any Given Sunday. He did Conan the Barbarian. He did a lot of films. And uh, I have to say, this is the best one I've seen from him so far, other than Scarface. Uh, nine out of ten bananas for me. Born Almost on the 4th of July. Almost a perfect banana. 
the golden, almost the golden. You were so close, so close. But this is an awesome movie, and it's you think tough. this is the best? This is the best Tom Cruise movie you've ever seen. Yeah, definitely. I haven't seen any better Tom Cruise movie, uh, at least on my end. Okay. I, I think I, I didn't think he could be like that. Where I've seen him in a lot of action roles, but to see him in a kind of drama role like this, where he's he really plays on your emotions, it was it was really uh, you know a really really great performance. Also, it, it, fun facts: Ron uh, Kovac, the a- actual Ron Kovac. This is a real story. This was a story was uh, made off his life. He gave Tom Cruise his bronze star wow. because he loved his performance so much. This film was shot in only three colors, depending on emotions: red, which uh, resembled violence; white, which resembled dreams and kind of a dreamy emotion; and blue, which is which was the sadness part of it. So there you go. All right. Again, uh, born on the fourth of July. Um, where'd you watch it? What uh, what streaming platform? I watched this one on Apple TV Plus, where I got, I, I got a chance to watch it there. Two hours, twenty five minutes long. Long one, yeah, yeah absolutely. All right. Um, hey, we are uh, rounding the rounding third and getting ready to head for home as we continue here on Sports Talk. And I'll tell you what, we've got a good one uh, coming up, folks. If you are an MMA fan, you don't want to miss. This conversation. It's not very often we get people like Alexander Volkanovsky on the program, but he goes one on one with Adrian to talk about uh, the upcoming bout. And uh, Volkanovsky, right now, considered by many to be the best pound-for-pound fighter in all of uh, mixed martial arts. Yeah, I think that's the case. And when it's all said and done, he's going to go down as one of the generation's best uh, UFC fighters, uh, especially at this class. Now, this is the trilogy fight. Max Holloway has a lot to prove in this one here against uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. And for Volkanovsky, he's a featherweight champ. He's beat him twice before. Let's see if he could do it a third time. And this is Holloway's final shot. I mean, he yeah. is never – if he doesn't uh, get this done, uh, it's it's the end for him. Yeah, so. this is a, a real highly anticipated matchup. I mean, over the weekend we got a lot of sports. I heard that there's a big WWE match that's happening over the weekend. Money then, in the bank. Of course, this uh, UFC 276. I wonder who you heard that one from. That's uh, really interesting. All right, so – Alexander Volkanovsky, Adrian Broadus. They're going to go one-on-one for us uh, beginning our 6 o'clock hour. Then we'll come back with Tim Haggerty, and we'll wrap this one up. So stay with us, folks. 35 more minutes of Sports Talk left on 600 ESPN El Paso. Hour number three of Sports Talk underway. Adrian Broadus here along with Steve Kaplowitz. This weekend, it's UFC 276, the co-main event that we've been talking all week long. And it's this weekend between featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky going up against Max Holloway for this big, big uh, co-main event. Uh, We're talking about this here on Sports Talk today, live 600 ESPN El Paso. And we'll jump out to our hotline right now and welcome on the featherweight champion himself, Alexander Volkanovsky, who's joining us on the show. Alexander, thank you so much for the time. What's going on today? No worries at all, my man. Uh, nothing much. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm feeling good, mate. Feeling good. Great. Great to hear. Uh, this is the third fight in the trilogy in uh, between you and Max Holloway. What's different this time around? Uh, man, like, I think a lot's different. I think we've both improved that little bit, you know what I mean? Well, I think he's definitely improved. I think I've improved a lot. Uh, mentally and physically, knowledge, everything. So uh, that's good. And uh, another thing that uh, people uh, maybe forget, he hasn't faced Bald Volk yet, you know what I mean? So that's something that's definitely different. You know, Bald Volk is a a whole different beast. So I'm looking forward to see what Bald Bald Volk does to Max Holloway. I love it. Hey, take me back to 2020. Some questioned what happened in the decision, the split decision win against Max Holloway. How do you remember that fight? 
I oh, mean, like you know, it was a close fight, very competitive fight. You know, he he definitely turned up. I felt like I didn't really turn up, but uh, you know, I really had to dig deep, especially in them last three rounds. Like he started off incredible. You know what I mean? He's really switched things up on us, caught us by surprise, and got up uh, them first two rounds. And I, you know, my corner and myself, you know, obviously we knew we need these next three, so we had to turn it up, and and, and that's what we did. You know what I mean? And then going into that last round. You know, I mean, the corner, both our corners told us, we need this last round. You know what I mean? This is close. You know what I mean? So let's see who takes it. And I was never going to, never going to lose that last round. You know what I mean? So that was, uh, that, that's, that's just how, how it was. Obviously, it was a very close fight. Um, and yeah, man, it's something that, you know, I think, uh, that the way, because it was so close. And obviously, there's people like, you know, the, the controversy, they miss how, like they, they missed the point of a, the two of the highest level guys going at it. You know what I mean? I feel like uh, that was uh, sadly missed in, in that in that fight. Like because it was uh, crazy the adjustments he made in between fights and the adjustments I made mid fight. You know what I mean? It was actually it was uh, you know pretty incredible, really. You know what I mean? And that's why uh, I'm excited to see what happens his third fight. You know, I want to see what adjustments he made, and I want to see uh, the adjustments I'm making and how I capitalize on certain things. So I'm looking forward to it. Lord Volk is keen to see what happens. Within these uh, these matches, like you're talking about, there are tough decisions. Of course, there's controversy, and it comes from the outside of those who might not really understand what UFC fighting is really all about. Now, mm. I saw that you told another publication that you wouldn't mind an open scoring concept to allow for more transparency. Why would this work? Oh, man, look, look I'm, I just mean uh, I can see both cases. Like, it doesn't mean I want it. Like, I'm happy either way. At the end of the day, like, you know, you want, you want, like, I think uh, not knowing as well, like, that adds to the, you know, when people are going to see, oh, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? You know, adds to the suspense and all that type of stuff. Um, I can see it open scoring as well. You know what I mean? But it's uh, either way, either way, you're going to have problems somewhere, right? You know what I mean? So that's just, there's, there's no easy way of, uh, of doing anything. But at the same time, if you've got the right corner telling you, you know, every time there's a remember they they say don't leave the, the the you know don't leave it to the judges. Your corner should be letting you know like you know if it's a close round, don't think you got it in the bag. Even if you think you, I think we got that. If you're thinking you got that, that's not good enough. You know you should have a good enough corner to let you know like hey, don't give them any more. You know what I mean? Like things like that. So I, I'm happy either way because I know my corner, and my team are going to make sure. Uh, they keep me on my toes all the way through fight and tell me what I need to know, not what I want to know, what I need to know. So uh, I think that's uh, either way, man. I, I think either way uh, can work. We'll have its pros and cons. Both you and Max secured wins in each of your last two fights. When you look at Max's uh, previous fights, what do you learn from that matchup that he had against Rodriguez? Man, like, uh, you know, obviously his fight with Cater was uh, just a shutout. You know, he capitalized on things incredibly uh the second one obviously with Javier Rodriguez was very competitive obviously uh it was a very close fight uh yeah, Rodriguez did well um he even changed his style he made an adjustment himself from his style which was pretty pretty cool to see but man he just uh you know obviously Matt, uh, Holloway is a, a vo- like you know he likes to put that pace and he's a volume fighter and he wants to he wants to come forward you need to you need to shut him down and then yeah, Rodriguez did that great so um, that's why Max is always, it's always going to be a fun fight, especially for me, because I ain't going to have a backward step. You come forward at me and you want to put hands on me, I'm going to put one uh, hands on you back, you know what I mean? And that's something that 
Yuri Rodriguez did well, but it was cool to see uh, Max Holloway mix it up, go for takedowns, know that it wasn't really working on the feet, and then mixed it up and, and went to, you know what I mean? And I think that was class. Um, you know, it's funny because obviously people are always going to be, hey, best boxer, and oh, yeah, you know, and all that type of stuff. But when they're, you know, they're going to push whatever narrative suits them at the time, but this is MMA. And, uh, you know, this is mixed martial arts. You do what you need to do to win. And Max was having trouble on the feet. He made good adjustments, took him down and dominated the, you know, dominated a couple of rounds there and that. And I give him full respect for that because that's uh, what rule fighters and uh, and champions do. You know what I mean? And he's going to bring it. He's going to turn up uh, this weekend. I'm going to be ready. I, I appreciate your respect and admiration for, you know, who he is as a fighter. Do you think that, but, you know, putting that aside a little bit and just kind of looking at this fight that's coming up this weekend in a bigger picture, do you think he has more to prove in this fight? The pressure's more on him? Oh, of course it is. Of course the pressure's on him. You know what I mean? He's, he's down 2-0, uh, you know. I'm up 2-0. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, the pressure's definitely on him. Because at the end of the day, like people got to remember, this isn't a decider. The only way there is going to be ever, the only way this can be a decider, or there's going to be a decider, is if we do best out of five. You get what I mean? So it's a, uh, the pressure's on him. You know what I mean? Like uh, I feel like I'm going out there, and he's just another contender. You know what I mean? That's how I'm looking at it. You know what I mean? But uh, you know, I think you know, I think yeah, it's definitely pressure on him because he loses. What does he do? You know what I mean? He can't. Why, what's the point of staying in the division? He ain't going to get another chance. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be, you wouldn't think anyway, right? Um, so, it's uh, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on him. So, he's going to turn up. He's going to be ready. Featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky joining us here on Sports Talk as we continue. What's your workout regime look like ahead of this fight? I uh, mean, like, it's just, uh, yeah, man, we're just uh, the whole crew together. Uh, I mean, we're just, we're just cruising. Doing all our five-week shenanigans, you know what I mean? Like, what, what we do, you know? I mean, obviously, we've got the five-week schedule that we need to take care of. Um, you know, to chat to you guys and all that. But at the same time, we're cooking barbecues. We laugh and we're having a good time. And we're soaking up uh, an incredible week. And we're going to finish it off with a bang. When you're at these barbecues, who in your circle do you lean on most to prepare for, for this fight specifically? I mean, we're all we're all together again. Like we're one big team, one big 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 family. You know, we all we all uh, uh, we all together, and we all uh, yeah, we all vibing together, man. Like so, uh, you know, there's not not many that we 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 lean on. Like we all uh, we all about we all about it. You know what I mean? We all get amongst it and uh, get involved in whatever activities is going on. And I'm lucky enough to still have the energy that I have, so I can still be a part of all the activities activities that they're doing as well. You're 33 years old. You're one of the best fighters to do it. If um, you know if things wrapped wrapped up sooner rather than later, and and would you be happy with your career where it's at right now, or are you still hungry for more and what you could do as a fighter? Oh, mate, I'm definitely hungry for more. You know, I wouldn't be so active if I wasn't. Uh, you know what I mean? If I wasn't enjoying myself, or you know what I mean? I'm loving it. I'm at my peak, and I'm. Yeah, that's why. That's why I'm rolling these title defenses. Because I'm, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not looking uh, to close the show anytime soon. You know, I mean, I've got plenty more to do, and that's why, you know, who knows how long I'm in this sport for, right? But at the same time, I'm in my peak. Let's get these title defenses rolling. Let's go for double champ statuses. Let's do it all. You know what I mean? So I'm still enjoying the game, loving the game, and enjoying myself. So uh, I'm, I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. 
you and Max are two fighters in the top 10 rankings right now. What's it like to be a part of such a high-caliber fight like this? Man, that's, a, look, that's something that, that I've touched on a couple of times uh, this week. It's incredible. You know, you don't see this very often. Two people so high on the pound-for-pound list, man. It's, a, it's, a, it's incredible. It's a massive fight. Um, and, and, you know, uh, it adds to, to the story, and that's the reason why he, he's getting a, a third chance too, yeah? So, like, you know, it's, he's put himself in a position where he gets another shot. You know what I mean? And this, this fight, it's still a massive fight. It still feels just as big as the first two. If not bigger, you know what I mean? Especially on the card that we have, International Fight Week, fighting on the same card as Izzy, both a chance from our side of the world. You know what I mean? It's a, it almost feels like this fight's even bigger. So much, so much happening. And, you know, I can't wait to, to just go out there, do my thing, and, uh, you know, put an end to this. Let's uh, recap everything for our listeners out there. UFC 276 co-main event this weekend. You could get it on pay-per-view via ESPN+. Plus. It's between featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky, who's joining us here on Sports Talk. He's taking on Max Holloway for the trilogy fight. Uh, my final question for you, Alex. You're up for an ESPY award for the best MMA fighter voted on by fans. What would it mean to you personally if you know that fans voted for you and you earned earn this award? as an SB for the best MMA fighter? Oh, man, it's an honor just to be uh, nominated on the list. It really is, you know, and then uh, obviously to take that would be incredible. You know, that's huge. Um, yeah, man, it would be it w- it would be incredible. So uh, we'll see what happens, but at the same time, I've got a job to do. I'll be worried about that, but uh, very, very honored to be on that list. Most definitely. Well, Alexander, thank you so much for all the great time today. We'll look forward to this weekend, and best of luck as always. Thank you. Appreciate it. Of course. Alexander Volkanovsky joining us here on Sports Talk as we continue. Take a time out right now. When we come back, Tim Haggerty live at Southwest University Park. He'll close us out and get us ready for some Chihuahuas baseball next here on 600 ESPN El Paso.